0: Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm your host, Coach Ben. I'm an educational technology TOSA. That stands for Teacher on Special Assignment, also known as an instructional coach. So this is my journey, my journey of going back to the classroom. But before I return, I wanted to take the time to share all the things that I've learned over the last four years of being an instructional coach. So put your seatbelt on, hit the gas pedal, and let's go. Hello out there, sports fans. As I mentioned in the intro, I'm Coach Ben, and this is Coach's Corner. So, for today's Coach's Corner, our topic, PLC. What does that stand for? Well, uh, some like to call it a professional learning community. Not to be confused with a PLN, professional learning network, although we could argue, you know, a PLC and a PLN probably have some shared attributes for me I think the biggest difference when I think a PLC uh, professional learning community I really think uh, more face to face connections maybe like the people at your school building that community and I think of um, PLN professional learning network or personalized learning network um, as more the learning network that you might be connected with on Twitter or social media Um, You'd have to look that up. Maybe you agree, maybe you disagree with me, but I think that's the best way to explain it. So, in one of our earlier episodes, we talked about uh, kind of getting started on a PLN, Professional Learning Network, or Personalized Learning Network, and we'll get back to that later. I think that was episode two. Um, but today, our focus is on a PLC, Professional Learning Community. Um, One of the reasons I'm kind of touching on this topic is I recently attended, uh, through my district, a training from the New Teacher Center out of Santa Cruz, and it was basically about facilitating PLCs as coaches, and uh, definitely I got some great nuggets um, from that training. Um, Very knowledgeable guys, very interesting professional development, and so today we're going to talk to uh, one of the trainers. His name is Kev the Math Guy. Um and he just had a lot to share about what a PLC is and um how to really get it off and kicking. But before of course we dive into that, I'd like to do our regular segment of sharing some of the wonderful things that are going around um, Monterey County. Um I've talked to her about Salinas being the salad bowl capital of the world, but I'm gonna give you some facts and figures. For example, Monterey County supplies 61% of the nation's leaf lettuce, 57% of the celery, 56% of head lettuce, 48% broccoli, 38% spinach, 30% cauliflower, 20% strawberries, and 3.6% of wine grapes. So, the next time you're sitting down and enjoying some salad, hopefully you'll think of me, Coach Ben, and those beautiful fields of uh, leaf lettuce, head lettuce. And all that good stuff. Interesting, it contributes over 4.25 billion per year to Monterey County's economic output, which I would say um, that is quite a bit of money. And uh, tied to that is 76,054 jobs. Um, That's one in four households in this area. And I'm getting this information, of course, cite my source, being a good digital citizen, from the Farm Bureau in Monterey. Um you can look them up, Farm Bureau in Monterey. So hopefully you learned a little something about uh the wonderful area, Salinas, California, Monterey. And I think we're ready to take that dive into uh PLCs. Um, so, with that, lights, camera, action, let's talk to Mr. Kev the Math Guy. All right, here we are. Um, today we will be talking about PLCs and I have a special guest from the New Teacher Center.
1: Hi, I'm Ke- Ke- Kevin Drinkard with New Teacher Center, um, I taught uh, high school math for 13 years before joining um, New Teacher Center as, a, as our math specialist and one who supports professional development for instructional coaches, uh, teacher leaders, um, and principals.
0: And and Kevin, you said what was your Twitter handle in case anybody wants to connect with you?
1: It's Kev the Math Guy. That's all one word, Kev the Math
0: Guy. Kev the Math Guy, and I'll try to add that to our show notes here. And so today, um, I've been part of uh, Kevin with a, uh, a training on PLCs, which has been really great. And so I thought I, he could join us and share a little bit about um, some tips for people that maybe want to get started uh, building their PLC, either at their sky- site or across their district. So first of all, for those people that are listening, what is a PLC?
1: Well, when I think about PLCs, I think about teachers supporting uh, learning for teachers. It's, it's, it's groups of teachers that are interested in instruction, interested in student learning, interested in getting better um, uh, with teaching, learning with each other, from research, from other teachers um, in a structured way.
0: And so do you, find, do you find, as far as PLCs, do you find like a lot of them are kind of, I don't want to say the word force, but, you know, saying, hey, we're going to have a PLC, or do you find them kind of naturally arising, or is it a little bit of a mixture of both from the people you work with?
1: Here's what we found at New Teacher Center, that, you know, PLCs can be super effective, super productive ways for teachers to learn um, and hone, hone in their, their, their craft. They can be more effective, we think, if at least one participant has some facilitation skills that is you know some 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 tips tools tricks um, skills to facilitate conversations to help build a safe place for colleagues to um, collaborate more efficiently more effectively so it's it's not a group that sort of drifts and and gets stuck maybe off off track loses 30 minutes of time. A facilitator can help sort of a team of teachers get focused, stay focused, and um, go deeper, I think.
0: Kind of take what they're doing hopefully in their class to the next level. Oh, yeah. So here I am. I I have a group of teachers I'm working with. What are some kind of tips that for me as a coach, some ways that I can start getting that group to be just a group of teachers that are working together that may get off track sometimes to a group of teachers that are really a PLC together.
1: Well, when I think of um, a group of teachers, it's like you know, there's they, they maybe they're a grade level team or they're at the same school or same district. You know, they they share some context, some students probably. Um, I'm guessing that they share some some common successes and some common challenges. I think it's you know a role. One good thing that a facilitator or a TOSA coach can do is sort of help a team sort of identify its strengths, instructional strengths, in ways that that, that you know that they know that are strengths based on student performance. Identify some challenges and prioritize those challenges. Like what where where do we want to get better with our teaching? Let's let's see if we can identify some specific places, prioritize them, and sort of own the challenge or the question that we want to answer in our time together during the school year.
0: So it sounds like kind of identifying some common goals um, that you could kind of work together around.
1: Yeah, I think that if, 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 if teachers can identify a challenge or a question that they want to solve, mm. they own it. It isn't like a coach coming in and saying, you know, let's talk about this because it's something that I want to talk about. You bring it out from the teachers based on their context, identify it, make it explicit, and then start to facilitate conversations where you can get into that challenge and, and into that question, say, and start finding some answers.
0: So, so with that, here's kind of thinking about a challenge that I know probably some of our listeners out there are. I have a coach. My district's telling me that we need to work on, A, this thing. How do I kind of bring my teacher or my PLC's voice in, into that?
1: I'm just going to free associate for a minute. I, I introduced myself as a as a math teacher, and sort of math has been my my specialty. Say, so I'm going to make something up based on your question. Like, let's say that um, I have a directive to focus on the math practice standards. There's there's eight of those. Say, you know, I, I, I have some expertise and some experience in thinking about ways that I might be able to to dissect those standards, um, put uh, group group them in subsets in ways that I think can support a team of teachers in ways that are explicit to the, the challenges and questions that, that they have. In other words, I'm, I'm sort of taking that, that directive, which, which might feel rigid, or maybe it doesn't, but taking it and then sort of like unpacking it and, and applying it in a way that makes sense to the teachers that I'm supporting.
0: Um, so you're so you're just making sure whatever they're doing is trying to give them some flexibility within that that broader scope.
1: Well, yeah, some flexibility, but still be applicable. And you know, like the example that I used, um, math practices. I mean, I think most math educators can agree that those are pretty darn Im- important for 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 kids. You know, I I really want my students to persevere with difficult problems. I mean, I want that for kids in my community, for kids in my family um, to communicate and and critique uh, answers or or solutions to problems, to to notice and learn about the underlying structures um, with numbers, say.
0: So really kind of, again, really kind of dissecting those and making meaning of them for their group of students.
1: And it isn't necessarily that I'm making meaning for them is right. that I'm presenting those as, as contextual frameworks to help help teachers solve problems or challenges that they have with, with, with instruction. That is to, let's take some common challenge that teachers might be experiencing. Okay, um, one of them in, in, in math. I have, you know, teachers will often say that they have a lot of students who... Um, are challenged with difficult problems or new problems that they give up pretty quickly. Um, You know, if I can frame that in the context of perseverance, one of the standards, then think about, okay, through that frame, what do we know about perseverance? What do we as a as a teaching group know about perseverance? What's working for some of us? What does the research say? What what are bloggers saying about that? Um, what's what's you know, what's happening in the landscape with that topic? What do we know? What are we learning? What are people sharing? And how can we apply that in our context in our classrooms? What do you want to try? Um, identify it, dissect it, apply it to whatever curriculum you've adapted or 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 you've written or you're using, and agree on trying something out, um, and then. Go for it, and then reflect afterwards. What did we notice? Did it work? Did it support our kids in the ways that we hoped that it would, or did it not? Um, if it didn't, why? If it did, okay, this is cool. How, how can we go deeper?
0: So it sounds like a lot of, you know, as a facilitator, right, you're asking some asking the right questions is, is a big part of being a, a facilitator to um, help kind of lead and, and guide the conversation.
1: In many respects, good facilitation is a lot like good teaching, right? right? That That, you know, it's, it's about the questions and listening to the responses sort of as formative assessment. Mm. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are you noticing? What does it tell you uh, about the teacher's practice? How can you build on, on the momentum, the, the um, positives, um, support their professional goals and support their, their learning also?
0: So shifting gears a little bit from this, one of the other things I think that kind of was, was a good tip or something that resonated is when you're, when you're starting out working with a group, kind of ed- establishing norms as a group. Um, so could you share a little bit about, like, you know, how critical this process is or maybe, again, a few ways that somebody could get started with it?
1: When I think about norms, I think about you know, ways that adult, uh, that, that professionals sort of agree that they want to work. Together, um, you know, let's. One of the norms that I value is um, equity of voice. That is, you know, can we create? Can can we work together in ways that all of us have opportunities to sort of share our thinking, share our experiences, um, and be self-aware if if we don't have equity. And what I mean by that is, you know, do we have some participants who who might process differently and say process verbally in an audible way more often than others and what <laughs> i mean you know mm-hmm. I, you're you're nodding you know we might have participants that dominate the conversation if a facilitator has worked with the team to identify norms and let's say one of the norms is around equity of voice and let's say the facilitator or team members notice that a, one member is dominating the the conversation then you can check into your norms and ask the group how they're doing. Like, how are we doing with equity of voice? If you've got that dominant person, more often than not, it's the team that will say, we need to work on equity. And it isn't the facilitator's role then to sort of like call out somebody who's who's been participating more than the others.
0: So playing, uh, and I know this is, of course, what we opposite of what we just talked about but so you're telling me so as a coach I should go and just bring my norms in
1: (laughs) you know norms are most effective when teams create co-create them Um, and you know what you know coaches it's it's a developmental process and 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 we all get better at it over time and if a coach brings in norms and expects them to work with with every team they'll probably learn pretty quick that that's usually not the case I mean, try it and then learn from it. So, you no, know, norms are are best if you can support teams to co-create their own. So, so there's ownership.
0: So, just it's so it's important then to make sure before we kind of get started as a team, taking time to sit down and kind of making those norms together and. Um, also perhaps one thing I've noticed you guys have been doing is making sure to revisit the norms you know as appropriate and not necessarily like as you said be the one to enforce them but just kind of help remind people that hey we agreed to this as a group and let's kind of move forward and and hopefully some of the other members of the group will kind of help facilitate that themselves
1: totally you know are 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 we starting on time are we ending on time you know let's 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 think let's let's talk about it if it you know before it becomes a problem. And um, that's, that's one example um, that comes to mind.
0: So I've, I have two more questions for you. One of them is, all right, I'm trying to do this PLC. I, gr- I have a grumpy teacher, and I know this is a big, uh, big question that we could take hours, I'm sure, to kind of discuss, and it's, it's contextual as well, but what are some ways that perhaps I can, I can help kind of um, with that grumpy teacher or that resistant teacher?
1: You know um I think that that's your your listeners um, can probably if they have experience can probably imagine somebody l- like that you know um, it reminds me of the importance of taking the time to build relationships to you know i I don't know of anybody who wakes up in the morning and 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 says you know this is a great day I'm going to be grumpy today It's like <laughs> what 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 is it about you know what's 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 leading to that grumpiness you know what what are what are some of those underlying causes what are what are some ways to understand what those are and sort of anticipate them and prevent them in advance over time and you know with every grumpy person there's a a different grumpy reason so it's you know I think over time sort of and as you learn about adult learning and and as you learn more about your colleagues and um, opportunities to design learning experiences with them I think that you can get better um, maybe more efficient at sort of identifying what what those underlying causes are and, and, and addressing them with the teacher in ways that support them and their learning style
0: one of the things I think just from that kind of a a message is just don't give up right Um, sometimes it's hard and it's not it's not going to be easy when we're doing this and a lot of times sometimes we want to throw in the towel and just say you know that teacher's not worth it but but just don't give up Um, one of the other things I kind of realized is I have a a friend who kind of we joke around that um, you know, oh, the answer is always building relationships. You know, the answer is building relationships. But one thing I kind of realized and discussed in in my last episode is actually that I think a lot of it, kind of what you mentioned, relationships come down to trust. And really when we're building relationships with people, we're building trust with that person. Um, And so I think, you know, that's a good way to pinpoint it.
1: Yeah, I I appreciate that that you shared that frame. It it is about building trust over time. Um, You know, and you also said, you know, don't, you know, stick 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 with it um you know think about ways to to earn the trust of colleagues and you said you know don't it, it, there, you might be tempted to give up and i would say you know just like with kids you know we don't give up on 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 students and adolescents and in a, in the same way you know let's let's figure out our colleagues and let's let's stick with it and let's let's not give up let's figure out how to how to build that trust
0: yeah I think one of my one of my mantras a lot of times is just kill them with kindness right Uh bring a smile to the game and just uh, and you know turn the other cheek a little bit so my last kind of question for you is um, you've shared some great tips about PLCs if I'm a listener and I want to go and get some more information what are some sources or some places that you can point us to
1: well, I think, you know, you're talking about um, facilitation, right, uh, facilitation skills. So um, there's a number of organizations um, that have training on, on facilitation. I, I, you know, a lot of the main ones, uh, New Teacher Center, the organization that I work with, has a, um, a professional learning series on facilitation. Uh, I'm guessing that, like, WestEd or um, other main sort of uh, nonprofits do as well. There are, you know, lots and lots of um, books and What resources. about some
0: people that you would point, like, a book I should read or a person that you think is good to check out?
1: Um, you know, uh, Bob Garmston has sort of been my godfather of of, um, of facilitation and, and designing um Professional
0: development. So he has a particular book or blog, or
1: yeah, he has a book. Um, uh, the name it will. I won't hold you to you it, okay? Now, I won't hold but, you, you know, to Bo- it. Um, Bob, Bob Gar- Garston. G A R M S D O N. You know, start start. That's one. That's where I started, um, and you know that doesn't mean that 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 he's the best, um, but he's um, one of many
0: so finally any uh, any shout outs to anybody that you'd like to give could be a colleague it could be a, a family member just somebody you'd like to kind of recognize
1: well you know I think Ben um, if I could give a shout out to you i I'm not the most active Twitter user um, and I think you know if your lis- listeners check out my my handle they'll they'll see I, I've been pretty dormant um, I met you for the first time a week ago and um, uh, You've re-inspired me to think about the power of Twitter to open up networks that are virtual and as effective potentially as face-to-face networks.
0: Definitely, a lot of these people, kind of as I mentioned you last time, are part of you know my PLN or PLC. And so, if you're listening, remember you can blow up uh, Kevin's Twitter, Kev the Math Guy. (laughs) Again, we'll tag him in the show notes. So, uh, thanks very much for joining me, and um, I look forward to continuing to connect with you in the digital world.
1: Glad to be here. I look forward to it. Thanks, Ben.
0: Alright, Kevin. P-p-p- PLCs. Hopefully you learned some more about uh, ways to kind of get your PLC going. Um, I think that they are super valuable. If you look at uh, John Hattie's uh, work, um, teacher coherence is definitely something that can Uh, really affect student learning and so the more we are working together I think as teachers and growing together the stronger we will become Um, I've definitely been a part of one very strong uh, PLC team Uh, we were in sixth grade and um, it definitely took some work but um, we had we were able to meet together once a week we had a a collaboration time which was uh, our time but it was kinda like not just for collaboration it was for planning or uh, getting your materials ready for school the next day some of us use it for collaboration some of us didn't but um, our team one met once a week and I really feel like over you know three years we we really were able to to grow significantly Um, you know the first year we really focused on on standards and and teaching the standards together and figuring out what we were gonna teach with those standards um you know from there the standards kind of we, we pick some resources and we win and I think year two we kind of looked at assessment in those standards and really how we were going to measure it and and data um, and, and reteaching um, and year three was moving forward and, and refining I guess one of the reasons I, I say these things is because one of the things I picked up is don't give up on those PLCs it takes time um, it's not always easy it's definitely hard and challenging um, and, and I just, again, thinking back on that team, three years to build that really, you know, strong team. Um, and then I ended up moving on to a one-to-one school when that opportunity arose to uh, be a one-to-one teacher with technology. But um, definitely that PLC and working with, uh, shout out to George Lopez, Steve Herman, and Tim Peters, who still work in my district. Um, George, you heard on the last edition of uh, Coach's Corner. But they definitely helped me grow. Um, and so... Uh, I really hope you can take away some nuggets, again, as I said, that you can start thinking about how are you going to be as a facilitator, a guide for that uh, PLC. Um, The new teacher center definitely has some, I really recommend their training, uh, great resources, Santa Cruz, awesome. Um, I definitely learned a lot, very engaging. I think uh, the quote they left us with really kind of exemplifies um, PLCs. I don't remember the exact one, but it was kind of one of these, you may have heard it before. Basically, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Just the fact that, you know, we can really learn a lot from each other. And so, PLC, hopefully it will bother you, you know, because you say, I think PLC don't bother me. I'm just making that song up. Anyways, hopefully you'll think about how you're going to start building those PLCs if you can. Um, also, uh, go ahead and reach out to at Kev, the math guy, definitely an expert on Twitter. Um, he's trying to grow his PLN so you can help with that. And I think before we end the show, I want to leave you with a little fun that I picked up from Q the Bill Selick. And so thanks for listening. Would love to hear from you soon. And let's see, what is the last little surprise for you? So, this weekend, uh, or last weekend, as you say, I got to go to QBold, which I think I'm going to talk about lesson design perhaps in a future episode. Anyways, um, as you know, or maybe not know, at conferences, a lot of times after the learning is done, people have a chance to kind of get together and share and have some fun. Anyways, um, it ended up that I learned, or I became a better, I should say, because, you know, I was pretty awesome already. Just kidding. Um, Not true. Um, I learned how to become a better beatboxer, that's right, a better beatboxer from a gentleman called Bill Selick. You can follow him on Twitter, just at Bill Selick. Anyways, he was one of the presenters, um, along with myself at this conference, and so he showed me this video, and basically it started out showing a picture of a boot and a cat. Yes, that's a boot, like that you wear on your foot, and a cat that goes meow. And so, anyways, he's saying this. The video said, and you probably have already seen it on YouTube. It's probably new to me, old to you. But it starts out by saying, you know, if you're gonna beatbox, start by saying boots, cats, boots, cats, boots, cats, boots, cats. But then, as the beatbox goes on, boots, cats, boots, cats, boots, cats, boots, cats, boots, cats, boots, cats, boots, cats. So, anyways. Little, uh, just little diamond, I thought I'd leave you with because you know life's too short not to have fun and beatbox while you can. So um, I'll put that in the show notes the boots and cats video. And just remember if you're ever like in an impromptu beatbox battle, boots 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 and cats. So thanks for joining me here on Coach's Corner. This is Coach Ben. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Cogswell_Ben. Ben. So if you have any quagmires, questions, conundrums, kudos, concerns, anything in the general nature of TOSAs or coaching that you'd love for me to chat about, I'd love to hear from you. So with this, this is Coach's Corner, and peace out.